Ignition running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Monica Perez filling in for Eric Erickson. Eric will be back tomorrow. You might know my show. I'm on Saturdays from 3 to 6. Or you can check out my podcast if you want to know at MonicaPerezShow.com. It is Martin Luther King Day. If you want to hear WSB's own Herman Cain, his special hour to commemorate Martin Luther King Day, it will be replayed right after the show tonight, 7 to 8, right here on WSB. But if you do listen to my show, you know I always go a little bit deeper. I'm always getting into the deep history, stuff you don't read, stuff, well, certainly stuff you don't hear from the uh, cable news that's screaming at you from the glowing box in your living room. It's, uh, but on Martin Luther King Day, it's a very interesting opportunity, which I happened to stumble upon a few weeks ago, I think only without, I I didn't know I would have a show today. I wasn't really thinking about Martin Luther King Day, but I uh, saw a mention of a book called Orders to Kill. And it was, it's, the subtitle is The Truth About the Assassination of Martin Luther King. So if you listen to my show, you know, I'm a hardcore libertarian. But once you once you're that hardcore and really lose faith in the government and in the system and the media, the the dialectic between left and right, you can you realize that there's a lot of times you're not getting all the truth that the media on the left or the right is going to tailor the facts they give you to support their own position. So I always dig a little deeper. And when you do that, uh, a common Weapon used against that approach is this allegation that you're a conspiracy theorist, that there's no support behind it. You're a tinfoil hat. You're a rational whatever. But if you and this Martin Luther King expose is a conspiracy theory, but it is so well documented. It's it's I would say you could say it was proven in a court of law that uh, it's an ideal opportunity to debunk. To, to realize that allegations that conspiracy theories are all bunk are bunk in themselves. It was written by a guy named uh, Dr. William Pepper, who was a friend of Martin Luther King, and he ultimately became the lawyer for James Earl Ray, who was went to jail. <laughs> yeah, James Earl Ray, who went to jail for killing Martin Luther King, but he didn't have a trial. He pled guilty, supposedly by some funny business of his lawyer, and uh, and the the story that this guy relates about how James Earl Ray got railroaded and what really happened is absolutely riveting. Uh, there's tons of evidence of it. So I'm going to walk you through a few of the facts, tell you how to get more information on that so you can draw your own conclusion. And then we have to ask the big question, if it isn't some lone nut gunman, if Martin Luther King was killed as a result of a conspiracy uh, that included the government and the mafia, why? Then you have to ask why. And and did it work? Did it change the course of events? So let's talk about that. I'm going to take you down the rabbit hole now. And uh, Binkley, my producer Binkley's here. Hi, Binkley. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Well, I guess. Uh, so I remember just telling you a little bit about this, and you were as fascinated as I was by this story, right? I mean, I don't think this is common knowledge, do you? Yeah, I was blown away by it the first time I heard about it. Yeah, because the evidence is so good. Yeah. So this is what, let me just give you a little a little bit about it. The idea is 
James Earl Ray was set up as a as a patsy, uh, put into the scene uh, to run away. I don't know if he was meant to be caught or what. And his lawyer was kind of in on it, and his first lawyer, and convinced him to plead guilty and suggested that he could get out of it later or something like that. So after a long period of time, uh, his case, after uh, a decade, his case came to the attention of this guy, Dr. Pepper, and then uh, it took another decade for Pepper to be totally convinced that Ray was not actually knowingly participating in the assassination conspiracy. He tried, Pepper tried to get Ray a real, a new trial, and the King family supported that because they knew a lot of real evidence would come out in the trial. It was denied, denied, denied. So what Pepper did was he and some very prominent lawyers, a judge, the prosecutor on the other side of the table was Ken Starr's number two in the Whitewater investigation, and then uh, that guy played the prosecutor and Pepper played defense. And they, with the help of or produced by HBO television and Thames television in England, they put on a trial using Tennessee law. These were real lawyers using the real law. It took 10 days. They had a jury. And in seven hours, the jury found Ray not guilty. So, and there was a lot of evidence in the record of that. And it got very little press. Then, then later, after even more evidence emerged, Pepper and the King family uh, started a civil suit against a guy named Lloyd Jower. So I think some people in the audience have heard these stories. Some people, this is all new to them. I'm absolutely happy to hear what people in the audience uh, want to contribute to this conversation because it's really interesting. 404 872 1-800-WSB-TALK. So they, in a real court of law, not a TV court of law, they uh, talked about they tried Jowers and conspirators known and unknown in a civil case for wrongful death against um, King. And Jowers just laid it all bare, told the whole story. And uh, and the jury found for the King family that there was a conspiracy. The conspiracy he describes included government agents from the local level, the state level, federal level, the military, the mafia. He himself was just like the manager of a dinette or something. There were witnesses. A witness saw the actual trigger man was a Memphis police officer. Two witnesses saw him fleeing. This guy Jowers, there was a witness who saw him uh, with a smoking gun, which he took from the policeman. I mean, it's really, you really have to dig in to believe the details here. But didn't you tell me, Binkley, that they, that, that, that the Kings made all that, the, the evidence there available? Yeah, the whole case file, like 2,000 pages, is available on the MLK website, the museum's website. So you can, this when people say, like, who's they, quote, and who's the, uh, this conspiracy, you can actually go in there. They have the name of the shooter that they, they say is Frank Strausser. I mean, this was... Uh, you can't say stuff. I don't think you can really get away with saying stuff like that. That would be a conspiracy within a conspiracy if you can publish all that stuff and get away with it. So this story goes deep, and then I I kept digging, and and that's when I, I then it, then it talk about layers upon layers. There's actually <laughs> more to the story, and I think it's going to have an impact over the next the next ten years. Uh, how this story is going to unfold. So I'll leave you with that. Be right back. This is Monica Perez in for Eric Erickson.
This is Monica Perez in for Eric Erickson. Eric will be back tomorrow. You want to hear my regular show? I'm on WSB Saturdays from 3 to 6. You can get the podcast of that at MonicaPerezShow.com. We're talking about Martin Luther King uh, Day, but this year marks the 50th anniversary of his assassination. And when I see Anderson Cooper and uh, uh, CNN anchors crying because Trump used a bad word that offends people and uh, they're, you know, out there emoting for justice, I have to wonder why they're not talking about what's really going on, like what really created, what really, really led to where we are today. And what I talked about earlier in the half hour was what is, I think, convincing evidence that Martin Luther King was not killed by a lone nut and that uh, he was assassinated for some reason, some political reason, some threat to the people who conspired to kill him, which included all levels of government, plus the military, the mafia, private people. What was it? And uh, we actually had a call at the break. who didn't want to go on the air, but asking about is there a tie in with other assassinations like Medgar Evers? And I always think of Malcolm X. Malcolm X was a divisive character until, well, according to the autobiography that we probably all read, um, a divisive character. But then he took a pilgrimage uh, to, I, I guess it was Mecca. It's been a long time since I read that book. But it was a religious pilgrimage where he discovered the um, morality of unity, of the moral good of unity. And he was killed shortly after that. And that that goes to something that I've noticed for for a long time. I've seen written about that the divisiveness is really just to keep us fighting each other so that we don't see the real source of the injustices that are pushed down from the top. Now, I'm not a social justice warrior. I'm a libertarian. I think the injustice is the privilege bestowed by government and not that government doesn't redistribute wealth. Like that's something that really separates me ideologically from a lot of these guys, even JFK, I would not have voted for him because I don't tie justice with redistributing wealth. I I find that that often gets tied up together. I believe in real rights, human rights, that you shouldn't, the government cannot uh, have government uh, buses and then segregate them. Like, you just can't do that. So uh, I... But you also can't kill somebody for their political message. It's the ultimate subversion against the First Amendment. You know, it's a crime, obviously, a terrible tragedy. But I feel like the assassinations in the 60s, most, if not all of which, were attributed to lone nuts. So you couldn't see the motivation behind it. Uh, Malcolm X, JFK, RFK, MLK. Evers, they all they all for sure had civil rights power in their um, hands and also anti-war stuff. But I'm going to tell you what I think the uh, the kind of behind the scenes on the civil rights movement was after the break. This is Monica Perez and for Eric Erickson. This is Monica Perez in for Eric Erickson. Eric will be back tomorrow. My regular show is Saturday from 3 to 6. I'm a hardcore libertarian, but I also like to get into some deep truth, some hardcore deep history, as I call it. And 
there's no really truly no better opportunity than Martin Luther King Day for that because to the extent people come up with what are described as kooky conspiracy theories, the conspiracy fact that Martin Luther King was killed by a conspiracy and not by a lone nut gunman has been uh, a jury has found that to be uh, reasonable in a civil case, a mock trial believed it the king family and the king center supports this view books have been written about it i'm convinced so you have to ask why and uh the many other assassinations in the 60s point to civil rights uh and anti-war and the civil rights issue to me was they knew change was going to come but these people who had the power like martin luther king were were not fully controllable. They might take the civil rights movement and give it real power. And according to a quote by Johnson, which I've seen several times regarding the 57 Civil Rights Act, LBJ said, we've got to give them a little something, just enough to quiet them down, not enough to make a difference, for if we don't move at all, then their allies will line up against us and there'll be no way of stopping them. So that indicates to me that the civil rights movement was kind of a controlled, you know, that's they, the reason these people were killed is that they were not controllable. The civil rights movement was going to happen, but the direction needed to be controlled from the top. And that's what these people were a threat to. That's my conclusion. Open to other interpretations. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I've got time for call. Brett in Gainesville, you're on with Monica. Hi, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Doing good. Um, not to change the subject, because what you're talking about is very vital, but um, I was just curious, in the world today, how there can be a double standard um, when it comes to race, and specifically how a councilman in Gwinnett can call John Lewis a racist and John Lewis turn, and, get, and lose his job because of it, and John Lewis turn around today and call the president a racist. I just was curious what, what well, your input was on that. If I, my opinion on on that double standard is that there is always a double standard. It seems to me, Democrat versus Republican. So if you the quote I just read from LBJ, he was a Democrat who's credited with bringing in the 1964 Civil Rights Act, obviously. But if you read about him, he was truly a foul-mouthed racist. So no one will ever, you'll never see Anderson Cooper crying, reading LBJ quotes. He's not doing that. He is, so it's, it's very political. It's very cynical. And, uh, but then I take it one step further and say, does it really matter if you get what you want, which is the Civil Rights Act or DACA or whatever? Does it really matter? So my answer is, does it matter what somebody feels in their heart or whatever if they get you what you want? So when I look at the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, you look at the Federalist Papers, the Anti-Federalist Papers, uh, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights really have been eroded over the years, which means that they weren't bulletproof. Uh, but what do the words mean? Was it a setup? Was it meant to not be bulletproof? Are we bound to it even though – are we bound to the words on it or what people really thought uh, – what they were kind of tricking us into. I mean, I wonder sometimes uh, if 
when they replaced the Articles of Confederation with the Constitution, they meant to make, I, I don't wonder, I'm sure, they meant to make a stronger central government, and it was a little bit of a hijacking of the revolution. Now, with the civil rights stuff, when LBJ, he made that cynical comment about the 57 Civil Rights Act, just give a little so that, you know, it's just a relief or release valve. The 64 Civil Rights Act had a lot, actually, of power. And in, in this book I'm reading, it talks about how that took Kennedy uh, King off the front pages because his struggle was, uh, in some quarters, considered one. Uh, but if if you look at LBJ and you, you you evaluate his motives, if he was he really racist or whatever, uh, and you think that the Civil Rights Act really wasn't meant that he meant the same thing for both Civil Rights Act, that you give, but you control it. And that's why these people were killed, perhaps. And if you look, uh, you, you know, when you look at the drug war, when you look at welfare, which they targeted, they actually lobbied in inner cities for people to take welfare. Then later it came with a stipulation that you needed to have a broken home to get it. You know, they get you hooked on it and then they, they make a requirement for you to get that, to break up your home. I mean, it could have been, this was subversive from the beginning. And I personally think that welfare is subversive. Now, I don't think Martin Luther King was his, his, desire to increase social programs i absolutely do not think was subversive but but perhaps lbj's interest in giving them was subversive i mean that's a thought let me uh go to mike in fayetteville uh mike you have about a minute give me give okay. me what you got i'll make it quick how come we only have one holiday at the name one person when we have no other holiday named after just one person or one man i can even understand celebrating equal rights day or equal opportunity day but there were many whites or many Mexicans or many blacks that brought about the equal um, civil rights bill. I so, do. I actually reflected on that yesterday. We used to have President's Day, I think, like George Washington and Lincoln, and then they mushed it all together into President's Day. I guess the longer your country exists, the more, you know, the less you can actually celebrate each individual. And I was always, uh, I, I, I would not have voted for JFK. I'm an absolute libertarian and um, I wouldn't have agreed with his policies, but I take very seriously his assassination because I do believe it marked kind of a, um, it was a coup in this country and really changed over the next 18 years through the assassination attempt on Reagan, really changed this country so that our political process is a charade now, in my opinion. Uh, and I, and I began to have an appreciation even just by the fact that MLK was assassinated of what power he had and how significant it was uh, of his of his death. I would go for a JFK day as well or share it, you know, but I feel like um, that his death for certainly for the people who loved him and who he was the most powerful representative, how that was the the turning point, the beginning of the end. I think of it as JFK, but a lot of people think of it as MLK. So I can I, I have a new respect for the the real power he represented, if only as represented by the people who had to take him out. So let's take a quick break. I'll be back uh, and more calls after this. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty one eight hundred WSB Talk. This is Monica Perez and for Eric Erickson. Monica Perez and for Eric Erickson. 
Eric will be back tomorrow. Uh, so before the break, we were talking about how uh, a caller called, and I agreed with him, that MLK was the only person whose uh, name, who's just the single person celebrated on a federal holiday. But Binkley pointed out there are actually still two federal holidays that celebrate individuals by name. Go for it, Binkley. Yes, contrary to popular belief, on a national level, there's no such thing as President's Day. The federal holiday is officially called Washington's Birthday and celebrating George Washington's birthday. And Columbus Day, while some states have started to not celebrate it on the federal level, it's still a holiday. See, I did not know that. Thank you very much. Got a little handy-dandy fact checker here. That's good. Keep me honest. And if you ever hear... Me say something you think is wrong, you got to always call because I love to be corrected. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I'm going to Tony and Conyers. Hi, Tony. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Good to talk with you. Thanks for calling. So that, yeah. yeah. So that last caller actually did kind of remind me of something, and it got me thinking a little bit about that. And Dr. King was a great civil rights leader, and I think uh, a definitely a, a cause and a voice for the civil rights union of, of, I'm sorry, the, what I wanted to say was, what about President Lincoln? I mean, wasn't he the ultimate civil rights warrior? Well, I'll tell you why I uh, respect MLK more than Lincoln, is that what with Martin Luther King, he was uh, into passive resistance, change through nonviolent means. Uh, so far, he what he did was legal. I would not have agreed with some of the policy initiatives I think he was going to take. Uh, but with with Lincoln, you know, really was not the that war. I I don't think it was necessary, and I don't think he was uh, his motivations were a hundred percent pure. I think uh, states' rights were. Violated. I think that he probably he wanted he maybe could have solved the problem. I know it was a difficult issue that it took a long time to try to get through. But I feel like he killed a lot of people, and Martin Luther King was not going to do that and possibly achieve more in the end. And and I think that's extremely powerful. Uh, so for me, I think it's it, when when Martin Luther King was taken out, it was really like with the other guys, the, the end of the first amendment, you know, and I, and I believe in the power of the law. And if you can affect change in a lawful manner, I have to respect that as the American way, but uh, I'm going to, I'm put a new twist in the story right after the break. This is Monica Perez. This is Monica Perez filling in for Eric Erickson. Eric will be back tomorrow, and you can hear me at my regular time Saturdays from 3 to 6. I'm a hardcore libertarian. I go down the rabbit hole sometimes, but only if uh, if there is a rabbit hole. And today we are talking about Martin Luther King Day and uh, Martin Luther King's assassination, and there's definitely a rabbit hole there. So, uh, but if you do want to celebrate Martin Luther King Day and enjoy uh, a, a listen of Herman Cain's commemoration of this day, it starts, we're going to replay it on WSB from 7 to 8, so right after the show tonight. 
But I'm going to continue the conversation we've been having. If you want, if you haven't heard it all, you want to hear other podcasts of my show, you can go to my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. But uh, I do go down the rabbit hole. I do dig a little deep. And if you are one of the people who thinks that conspiracies are always crazy, which makes no sense because, uh, you know, conspiracy just means that people, you know, most of the conspiracies I'm talking about, people in power use their power and influence, coordinate it, and don't tell you about it on Fox News at night. You know, that's it. There, there isn't much to it. It's for sure true. But when you get to something very, very serious, like killing someone for their political influence, not even power, but really, truly, what Martin Luther King was doing was absolutely consistent with the First Amendment. Uh, now, I want to dig in a little bit before the end of this uh, half hour on his uh, his political philosophy, policies, and affiliations, because I think that stuff's going to start, uh, people are going to make something of that going forward from this moment. So it was 50 years ago he was assassinated. I think it's going to become a big issue coming up soon. But uh, let me, so there were a few things about this assassination attempt that, uh, the, the actual assassination that were interesting to me as far as supporting the idea that there was a conspiracy, there was a reason that he was killed, not just alone, not irrational racism. One of the reasons was he, or one of the pieces of evidence, I think, besides the massive amount of actual evidence about the crime that was brought out by William Pepper in a mock trial, an actual trial, and three books he wrote, including Orders to Kill, which is sitting on my desk right now if you really want to dig into it. One of the things was, though, that uh, King, there was an attempted assassination on him 10 years prior to his actual death. A woman stuck a like a letter opener or something or an ice pick in his chest and uh, he survived it. But it was a clear attempt on his life. There's a letter that uh, surfaced that his wife Coretta said came from the FBI and it urged him to do the only course open to him to uh, keep him from bringing shame and embarrassment onto his family. It's called the suicide letter. The implication is he was supposed to kill himself. Um, and then there were actual weird circumstances at the at the moment that he was killed, which I'll tell you about. So the actual at the assassination, Binkley, you heard this too, or did you not? The the one thing I and you can tell by the pictures that normally he had a security detail of local cops. And they weren't in the pictures of his assassination, the famous picture of him bleeding on the balcony and people pointing in the direction of the gunshot. There was something so terrible that I that I read in more than one place. I hesitate to even uh, repeat it because uh, the other stuff was kind of in evidence. But that uh, that Jesse Jackson was there and had some. Did you hear this, Binkley, that he was responsible for where? King's room was that King was going to be in an interior room and Jackson moved the room and also moved some of the other people who were supportive of King from uh, from the hotel. Is there did you see any evidence of that? Is that just a rumor? I have read that he was responsible for the hotel room and he was also with Martin Luther King when he was shot. But but I can't verify it right now. Right. Well, Andrew Young was with him, and supposedly he was a, a another target that that he was yeah. actually in trouble there. So that just hang that out there. I only just started investigating this story 
I and it was just a coincidence, not because I'm on the air today, but just a few weeks ago, I stumbled upon this book, Orders to Kill by William Pepper. And it's just, it seems ironclad. So if I actually read this gigantic book, one of three, then I'll, I'm sure I will know what the evidence is for that. But uh, But here was something kind of explosive. I think... I guess I'm not the only person who knows this. There was a tweet from Goxram who that said, what was that tweet, Finkley? Can you read me that tweet? He said, files will be released in 2027. Here we go again. Yes, it so surprised me that he knew about that because this is the story. RFK, Robert F. Kennedy, like a month before JFK was killed, he was the attorney general, and he was he authorized surveillance of MLK. All right, so when you think about the big picture here, JFK, MLK, Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, um, uh, all these people who were killed, what do they have in common? Well, JFK and RFK were anti-communists, and MLK is accused of being uh, like a communist sympathizer. But they all had in common the civil rights stuff. So that is what I'm still thinking. And the anti-war stuff, eventually, I think the Kennedys came around to that. So the civil rights stuff uh, was not why RFK was looking at MLK. He was looking at him for communist affiliations. And people, I haven't heard anybody talk about this at all. In November, when Trump just released a whole trove of JFK documents in there, was something that appeared to be totally unrelated, a 20-page FBI dossier on MLK's uh, close affiliates with people who, whether he knew it or not, were in the Communist Party, CPUSA. And this really lays out, uh, you know, it's, it's a very damning dossier, and a lot of people are saying it's just hearsay, it's just a, that, that the FBI put that out to get people on board with undermining MLK. Now, in 2027, which is what that tweet was referring to, the surveillance files are going to be released. So there was surveillance on MLK. So if this stuff is corroborated or unfortunate, um, just personal things come out, and everybody has a private life, I mean, MLK is a serious hero to a lot of people, millions and millions of people. It would, it, it could be exploited to cause a real a, a rift in this country much worse than what we're seeing right now. And I'm afraid that this dossier being released quietly into the air is just the beginning of the softening up process for what could be a, uh, a very divisive exercise to keep us fighting with each other and blind to our rights being taken away from us from on high, actually get us to support our rights taken away from us from on high. Uh, give me a call, 800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez in for Eric Erickson. We're back. It's Monica Perez in for Erickson. And we're talking about, I, I threw in a new wrinkle about the uh, Martin Luther King story, the true story, his power, the assassination, what it was really about. And then I mentioned that I stumbled upon in my research that just this November, the Trump administration, in a kind of document dump about the about JFK, had this this twenty page FBI dossier on MLK, which just detailed the uh, connections 
between MLK and some members of the Communist Party in the U.S. Very damning document, in my opinion, if you still care about (laughs) the threat of communism. And you look back, it looks to me like it's, you know, a way to kind of get people to feel that MLK is a serious threat for that reason, as a communist, as opposed to anything else. And I think that, that the reason he was killed was not that, but for other reasons. Maybe. I don't know. But I want to know what you think. 800 WSB Talk. Uh, I'm going to Ron in Snellville. Hi, Ron. You're on with Monica. Hello, Monica. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. Hey, uh, my point is simply this. Uh, we need information. We would like to know exactly what happened. I don't think you need to worry about a uh, resurgence or or, or of, uh, you know, conflict between races. You know, yeah, guy. I just don't understand why that document was just thrown out there in November, supposedly by accident. I'm, I'm just trying to understand the motive be- behind releasing that document. And then when I two things happen, one is when MLK Day was being established, there was a congressman who wanted to use those tapes, those surveillance tapes to stop. MLK Day from being established, and then at the same time, or at another time, I can't remember, a civil rights organization sued to have those tapes destroyed. So I feel okay. like they must have some power that we're we don't know about yet. That's the only reason I'm thinking that. I, maybe well, I'm wrong about how what the impact would be. Well, if you don't trust people to process information and to have real information, yeah, you're, you're you're creating another problem by not releasing this. I'm a black man that grew up in the '60s. And I'll just put it to you bluntly. We need to know what happened. We need to know why it happened, and we need to deal with it. Okay? There's no hiding anymore. I mean, it needs to come out. Do you have an opinion? Do I have an opinion? Like, do you think you know? I think think that in the times, I think you made alliances with people that kept you moving forward with the mission of making things better for everybody. I think that's, that's type of courage. I think that your approach to that, though, I think is intellectual. And it seems to me that the tone of the day through really um, irresponsible media and politicians, they're going out of their way to take the thinking out of our processing and making people just emotional and reactionary. You know what I'm saying? You know, you may not remember this, but two weeks ago I talked to you about the lemming factor. Yeah, you know, I think I think Dr. King would be very upset that our political parties are yeah. telling us what to think and that we're not telling them what they're going to do. I feel like these assassinations were or that like maybe the 20 years from 63 to 83 or or whatever uh, is what really changed this country that way, that that well, fl- turned the tide. Well, it, it, it turned the tide, but it turned the tide because when you save people and you put responsibility on people, for their own futures and the things that they think and do every day. Some people abdicate that throne. They don't want that. Well, uh, I'm a libertarian. I believe in personal responsibility and individual liberty on all matters at all times, (laughs) as per Harry Brown. More on this after the break. This is Monica Perez. This is Monica Perez, and for Eric Erickson, Eric will be back tomorrow. My regular show is Saturday, 3 to 6. I am a hardcore libertarian, and uh, I dive a little deeper than most people in some what I call deep history. This is a great opportunity for that. We're talking about the assassination of Martin Luther King and even going a little deeper to uh, some of 
the kind of backstory, I was talking about a dossier that was just quietly released in November, just a couple of months ago, that was an FBI dossier uh, outlining the associations that Martin Luther King had with people who, in turn, were associated with the Communist Party, CPUSA. And, uh, you know, it's some disturbing stuff. I don't know how it plays in the context of today, or I, I should say I really don't know how it played in the context of the 60s. I mean, people were really afraid of communism. That would be a very damaging thing to say. Uh, it wasn't like footnoted, so I don't know if you know what you believe. I don't know how those things work, but I want to know what you have to say. So I'm going to Ray and Smyrna. Hi, Ray. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Thanks for having me on. Um, as far as this uh, recently released FBI dossier about Martin Luther King, I learned a lot about the FBI from an FBI chief by the name of Ted Gunderson. And oh, I saw his videos. Speeches. Yeah. Yeah, he gave many, many speeches, and one of the most important things he ever said was that he was a born-again Christian, and that was why he never allowed the FBI to corrupt him. But he now, was in the FBI. Gunderson, I'm not Ted sure, but Gunderson I guess. Was, he was the chief of the FBI in Los Angeles with over 700 agents under his command, and he knew what he was talking about. The FBI is not to be believed. This I learned from Gunderson. And other whistleblowers, you know, like Eugene Tatum, who was in the CIA. Well, that's that's an interesting point, because Gunderson seems like I, I wonder about him if he was a disinformation agent or what. Uh, but um, it's, you know, if he, if he were to be trusted and that is a good rule of thumb. Yeah. You know what? I don't I don't tend to trust what I hear from the government as a general rule. So uh, let's take it with a grain of salt or let's say let's wait till they prove it, because this dossier, it, it isn't replete with uh, with proofs. So you have to just believe it. And it's clearly meant to influence the person who is reading it. There's a thing called stovepiping where uh, agents of government write the reports in a certain way to influence the guy above them who's reading it. Like there's a big stove and then the pipe is what the guy above. Maybe it's one, a, a case of that. I'm going to Chris and Winder. Hi, Chris. You're on with Monica. Hi. Thanks for having me on. All right. Uh, back in the 80s, my dad was a member of a affiliation. And he always told me that disaffiliation had always heard that JFK and MLK were going to run on the same ticket the next year. So that well, made what sure year was that? JFK and MLK? You mean RFK? You mean Robert Kennedy? 68? I'm sorry. Yep. No, I'm sorry. It was back in the 80s. So. I think what you might be talking about is that MLK was thinking of running. There were rumors that he was running. Uh, I've heard that he might run with RFK, Robert Kennedy, who I guess would have been a shoe in if he had survived. But he, too, was assassinated around the same time. Uh, I, in the book I'm reading, Orders to Kill by William Pepper, it says uh, that MLK was going to run on a ticket with Dr. Benjamin Spock. It was going to be a peace ticket because they were both against the Vietnam War. So those are basically the competing motives for the assassination. Either it was because MLK was going to bring the uh, the poor people's sit-in to D.C. in that spring, 
or because he was going to be a powerful force to end Vietnam. I actually, I think they they were really had to have that war continue. They didn't want to win the war. They didn't win the war. But for political reasons, they wanted that war to continue. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was the was the more dominant reason. I want to go to a call. I'm going to line one. Rhonda, you hear me? I'm uh, you're on with Monica. Hi, I was just wondering if you know in 2016 with this coming out and with the current tone in the administration that's in there, if maybe it's a way to kind of discredit Martin Luther King because Martin Luther King is the one person that unifies pretty much all people and race because of his peace and his tone that he you know has always exemplified. So I'm wondering if. This administration is putting that out just to kind of put an idea in our head to kind of discredit that he was the peaceful person that he really was. I'm kind of that. I was trying to rack my brain. Why did this come out now, this dossier? I am not of the school that uh, that administrations are independent. I think that. There's a bigger picture, a shadow government, people behind the scenes who affect these broad. I think this is this could be a de- a, a ten year long operation that was launched with this dossier. So I don't think it's just Trump being a racist and wanting to cause trouble. I think this thing is on a slow burn. It could be to the 2027 release of the files. But what you're saying that is what I'm afraid of. I'm not sure if it's true. Um, Maybe I'm overreacting. Ron from Snellville called earlier and he said, you know, you got to trust people to be able to think for themselves and to assume that it's this easy to light a fire, uh, you know, to light this country up is a bit much. But I think they're working on it little by little. I think you're right. I think that message of peace and unity. And I think that's why Malcolm X was killed, too. Once once somebody is spreading a message of peace and I think even Tupac was trying to get the gangs to get along. Yeah, they yeah. say maybe he was killed for that. I think device And I And yeah. I think that nowadays it's so hard for us to be um, unified. And so, therefore, if the only the last national sim- symbol is Martin Luther King, if you discredit him, then you pretty much have torn apart all of the unity that there is. I, I, I think that that is a... Uh, it's a possibility. I think that would be a very powerful thing. And if they make a good enough case against him, a lot of people will just say, well, you know, it's the truth. You shouldn't be afraid of the truth. But symbols have power. He was set up. Um, you know, he's lionized. His his symbolism has even more power than ever. And that's, you know, that's, that's something that can be exploited. Let's wrap it up after the break. This is Monica Perez. This is Monica Perez wrapping it up in for Eric Erickson. He will be back tomorrow after the show tonight at 7. You can hear an encore presentation of WSB's own Herman Cain with a commemoration in honor of Martin Luther King Day. And we have been going deeper than you've probably ever heard on the radio about Martin Luther King and uh, the significance of his death. It is the... 50 years this year, uh, anniversary of his death. And I, you know, for me, I think we need to open our eyes to the, what's, what really happened. Whenever you hear lone nut gunmen, now just look at the sixties, a bunch of lone nut gunmen gunned down the people who were going to take the powerful, 
momentum for change and control that direction, or at least not control it the way it was meant to be controlled by perhaps people like LBJ, who said, you got to give them something, otherwise you can't control it. They'll take it from you. I mean, that's, that is the mentality. But that lone nut thing comes to today, terrorists, stuff like that. If you hear the lone nut thing and, they, and it's followed by, therefore, we need to take your rights away, you should say, you know what, I'll take my chances. Anyway, so Binkley, uh, Binkley and I, so my regular show is Saturday three to six on WSB. I put the podcast up on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com, but Binkley and I also do a podcast, which you can find the feed for that on PropagandaReportDaily.com. Uh, so Binkley, is there, do you have any closing thoughts on, you know, what we've discovered? You and I have been kind of digging into this MLK thing for a while, like for you know, very deeply for the past few days. I mean, what's your takeaway? I think with so much surveillance from the military and from uh, Co-Intel Intel Co- Pro. Co-Intel Pro. Some people call it Co-Intel Pro. Pro, But it yes. was, that was the FBI spying on all the civil rights leaders to the point. I mean, there was stuff where uh, wasn't Fred Hampton killed by them, kind of gunned down in bed, basically. There's also other evidence that the Black Panthers was actually militarized and given guns to by uh, an FBI operative. I mean, there was definitely some dialectic at foot, some give and take, some two sides of it in the civil rights movement in the 60s. And look how it turned out. Yeah, Probably. total conspiracy around MLK. The lone wolf thing to me seems absurd in this case. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, I think it's it's the you know people are like, oh, you're a conspiracy nut job. You have to be a nut job to think. <laughs> if you dig in, you know what? Read one of these books by William Pepper. I mean, his and and what you were talking about, the Martin Luther King, the King Center website has yeah. thousands of pages of the evidence that was brought up in the civil case against Lloyd Jowers, which the King family won that he was part of a conspiracy. Right. So so give us a, a closing tweet, and then we're going to wrap right. it up. We have one from Bill who tweets, Great show today, listening from Abu Dhabi. Wow. Yeah. That's a – I guess that's a compliment. What the heck time is it in Abu Dhabi? I have no right. idea. Well, it's almost 7 o'clock here, and that is time for Herman Cain's encore of the MLK commemoration. This is Monica Perez. <laughs> 